Rainmaker FM. This podcast is brought to you by Copyblogger.com. Words that work. Build your online authority with powerfully effective content marketing. Get superior content marketing education so you can build a remarkable online presence. Head over to copyblogger.com to learn more. That's copyblogger.com. Hey everybody, it's Daryl from copyblogger.fm podcast. Uh, excited to be back after a two-week break from the podcast. And today I have a very special guest on the podcast, a longtime copy blogger friend, John Jantz from Duct Tape Marketing. Today, John and I are going to talk about his brand new book that just came out yesterday called The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur. This is an amazing book and a departure from the style of book that John has written in the past. Uh, I hope you enjoy this interview. Listen all the way through to the end because John actually reads an excerpt from the book and I think you'll really enjoy it. I'll talk to you soon. Hey, John, welcome to the copyblogger.fm podcast. It's my pleasure to be here. I am a longtime fan of Copyblogger, so this is a treat. Yeah, I'm super excited to have a conversation about a new book that you just had come out yesterday. Uh, So tell us a little, little bit about the book. Well, it's called The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur, and it is structured as a daily book. So in other words, there are 366, including a day for leap year, uh, pages where I give you hopefully an inspirational message to kind of take out there and, and you know conquer the world, <laughs> your entrepreneurial world. It's anchored actually with um, mid-19th century literature. So a lot of people are very familiar with Walden and by Thoreau and, and Emerson's, you know, essays, uh, self-reliance, which is, of course, where I borrow the title from. But I actually found that um, beyond, you know, those kind of people that, that people know, a lot of the, even the fiction that was written in that time, Moby Dick and Poe's work and Little Women, um, you know, Scarlet Letter, all had real entrepreneurial, or at least in my view, entrepreneurial themes about them. The protagonists were very self-reliant, I think. And I think a lot of it has to do with the time period what was going on? I mean, we were on the cusp of the Civil War. Women were marching in the streets to get the right to vote. We were trying to abolish slavery. So it was kind of the first countercultural period in America. And so I think the writing really reflected this, this you know, message of you got to do your own thing. You got to be true to you. You don't have to listen to what other people are saying you should do. And I, I just have to think that's great advice for entrepreneurs. So I went in and dug really deep and, and beyond just the Pinterest quotes and, and that, that you see out there and, and got into even into the letters and the journals of some of these folks and, and curated what I think are great messages for entrepreneurs. And then I've taken my 30 years of being an entrepreneur and kind of given some context around, I think, what it means today. And then I leave you every day with a challenge question uh, that hopefully kind of gives you something to ponder throughout your day. I love that. And the first question I have is, how does a well-established small business marketing expert dive into that time period of literature and connect it to entrepreneurship? Like, how did that, that come to be? Well, I think it's like a lot of things, a personal interest um, uh, of that literature and a reader of that literature. But then also, I think one of the things that, that I think we all do, if we, if we stick at this game long enough is we find ways to kind of marry ideas and concepts. I mean, if you read Little Women, for example, by Louisa May Alcott, for the story, you're going to get the story. 
But if you read it, I suggest and challenge people, go back and pick up a $3 copy of it somewhere and read it with the idea that Joe March is a self-reliant entrepreneur <laughs> and and you will you will see the dialogue you will see the story in a total different way and i think i've i don't know about you daryl but i i feel like a lot of times i've always in my marketing borrowed from other industries and other you know i read books on architecture and on calculus and and when you read it with a different context all of a sudden it's like wow this has some amazing ideas that i can apply to my business and so i love that idea of kind of marrying and merging things so Personal interest in that fact that I've been doing this for 30 years and, and you know, have worked now with tens of thousands of small business owners. I feel like I, I had something to say that could be of value to folks that, that are trying to stay true to their dream, that realize this is a struggle, that need to be, you know, resilient, you know, every day when, you know, the world hits them in the face uh, to keep doing uh, what brings them joy and happiness. I love that. Uh, one of the lines that really stuck out to me in the introduction of the book was you said, being an entrepreneur is as much about who you choose to be as what you choose to do for a living. And that really stuck out to me uh, as somebody who's been an entrepreneur basically since I graduated college yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I was, uh, I guess, 23 years old. But talk to me a little bit about what that means. Yeah. And, and there's some really radical ideas that you, you put out that the transcendentalist writers kind of positioned and that kind of dives a little deeper into this like entrepreneur way that you've been doing for 30 years. I've been doing for 15, you know, I'm, I'm a young buck kind of following up in your <laughs> footsteps, but talk to me about some of these radical ideas and what it means when you say what you choose to be yeah. uh, and then what you choose to do for a living. Yeah. So first off um, a, a little warning uh, or not warning, but uh, um, you know, they were radical at the time. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they're radical today at all, but uh, they were certainly seen as radical ideas at the time. 150 years ago. So that line really about, you know, how you, it's basically how you see yourself is what I'm getting at is, is really more about what is to be an entrepreneur. A lot of times people think an entrepreneur is somebody that has a company that's funded and, you know, is doing the startup-y kind of, you know, typical things. And I think people working inside of a company as a paid W-2 employee can see themselves as an entrepreneur if they choose to, because I think it's really just more about in a lot of ways, it's it's more about how you see the world. I mean, it's it's how you see your place in it, how you see what you're there to do, how you see how what you're doing on any given day fits into the impact that you want to have in the world. So, you know, I guess in a way, you know, what I was trying to do is say, hey, you don't have to fit into what people see as that traditional mold. The ideas in this book can apply to you really no matter what you're doing because it, it's really more about a mindset. Yeah, so what were some of those, um, you know, I have a list of them here. Uh, some of those radical ideas uh, 150 years ago that yeah. that really stuck to you. Yes. So so I think it was I think it was really the basis of of kind of why. So so generically, some of the writers in this period were referred to as transcendentalists. It was really just a label. I don't think it really you know meant anything. It wasn't like a religious sect or something. It was yeah. really just kind of a label on their thoughts. And so things like. You know, sticking your own beliefs was more important than than you know following what everybody else has done. Producing value, you know, over consuming um, was you know a better, healthier way to live. Experiencing things, you know, was how you're going to find your purpose as opposed to just like falling in line with the trade, you know, that you'd been giving. Nature uh, runs throughout these. The value of of observing nature is kind of a model for how to live. Um, uh, was, this, was ne this next one's my personal favorite, by the way. 
the inner peace was a goal of diligent pursuit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, and, 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 you know, again, you think about it, there's a lot of books on mindfulness and meditation and journaling and things. Those were radical ideas uh, you know, at the time there was almost, you know, seen as witchcraft, you know, or something, yeah. you know uh, at the time it's very, you know, it's very accepted now. And, and in fact, one of the things that was really um, fun and surprising for me was how often I would read some of this literature and think there's no way that was written 150 years ago. I mean, that is so spot on for what we're experiencing today. And, and I think what it suggests is that, yeah, we have all this new technology that we blame and all these new platforms and our iPhones that we blame for our you know, dissatisfaction, but it's really the human condition, you know, that it hasn't changed at all. We just have now kind of new things uh, to distract us. Yeah. I think that's super, I think that's really true. And I think uh, what I like so much about that, uh, this book that you have written is uh, that you're connecting some of these thoughts and it almost sounds like some of the best sellers uh, that I see sitting on my desk right next to me <laughs> and other books that I've read. It's like, oh, nothing is actually new. And, and that is actually a really calming and peaceful feeling yeah. Yeah. is that there have been people who have gone before us who have had similar feelings, similar thoughts, been in similar positions and we can connect learning from our position to their position. Yeah, I, I think that is a, a is a fabulous point that and that's one of the reasons why this I think this literature stands up, you know, the test of time and and there are many writers in here that people have never heard of. I, I actually it was important to me to try to find as many uh, female writers as possible and you know, given the era that was a difficult task a lot of their writing was never really brought forward uh, publicly until it was collected in some journals and memoirs and things like that. And, and so it's really fun, I think, or at least the reaction I've been getting from people is like, I've never heard of this person. You know, I'm going to go check out their books now. It's amazing. So yeah, bringing this literature to new generations uh, is kind of one of the side effects, I suppose, of, of doing this book. Yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of learning, uh, I'm sure, that came from that type of research. I'm sure some that kind of led you into the research and then some that you had while you were continuing to research the book. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the, the main points of learning that you had while, while researching and writing this book? Well, I, I, one of them I, I gave was just what we've been talking about. The idea yeah. that this stuff is still, you know, so timely and so relevant, um, uh, to today. I, I, I think that, that the, this idea of, I mean, we, <laughs> we don't build our houses anymore. We don't kill our food. You know, we don't make our own clothes, you know, and, and still, you know, so that was stuff that took their time um, and, and attention back then. Um, but, but so they were still writing, they were writing at that point about, you know, how important it was to find your own path and how important it was to, to make time for yourself and to slow down. And, you know, imagine, imagine if they were to come forward into to this time period and, and, you know, look at people who essentially had nothing to do. <laughs> Who, who are so distracted, you know, and so busy. Um, I, I think that's a, that's a pretty interesting part of this. Uh, if, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm an author launching a book. I'm working my tail off right now, but I will tell you that one of the things that this book did for me, because it was, it was a two year kind of journey, you know, doing the research, writing this book. So I was immersed in this thinking for quite some time and it has definitely slowed me down. It has definitely changed changed some of my priorities. Uh, it, it definitely is, has redefined maybe even my definition of success. Yeah. I, I think there's so many great ideas in this book and I, I'm really excited because later on in this episode, you're actually going to read an, ep an excerpt from the book yeah. and I'm super pumped about that and, and kind of give people a, a glimpse, but there's so many amazing ideas. Uh, even some of these 
what you quoted as radical ideas 150 years ago. But the idea of self-reliance is the cornerstone of all of this. Like, yeah. how does how does all of these this thing that we've talked about so far kind of culminate into a definition of self-reliance? And and why was that the cornerstone idea that you wanted to push forward? And sure. and, and and why why self-reliance? And and why a self-reliant entrepreneur? Yeah, I, I think that in a lot of ways, because that that uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson's um, essay, self-reliance, was probably the even though there are a lot of, uh, of books that came out of this period that maybe were more popular, I think that, that more than anything that's looked to uh, by historians is kind of the defining you know, essay or f- defining literature in, in kind of this movement called transcendentalism. So, so to me, and because of the, that was well-known, that's really where the topic came from. But I think it also, the underpinning really of that is that you know, a self-reliant entrepreneur is, is really just somebody that sees their life as a work in progress. And I think that that, you know, more than anything else runs through all of this literature that, you know, you first, you have to trust yourself enough to know that, that, that other people shouldn't control what you do and that you can't control what you do, which is a, a, a key sort of uh, ingredient. In other words, there are a lot of things that are out of your control. And I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, that's probably the greatest source of stress uh, that they experience. And so when you trust yourself enough, there's a level of freedom that I think allows you to then kind of find, you know, what you want to commit to uh, in, in your business. Um, and, and then, you know, for a lot of people, that's when failures start showing up as well, too. I mean, it's, I've got this idea, I'm really committed to it. Now I'm going to take it to the world and oops, you know, that, that didn't change, or, you know, the, the market changed or that wasn't what I thought it was going to be. So, you know, the third kind of phase of that then is like, you know, how do you stay resilient? Um, and, and kind of reframe, you know, what happens, but at the same time, staying very congruent. I think that's one of the challenges for a lot of entrepreneurs is it's really easy to get knocked off of, you know, here are my values, here's my non-negotiables, you know, and then next thing you, you turn around and you go like, how'd I get here? You know, this isn't who I am. And, um, and, and I think the, the, the truly successful entrepreneurs or self-reliant entrepreneurs, you know, really stay on that path and, and kind of reframe when things don't go the way they thought they were going to as not like I'm bad or I failed, but, you know, this thing happened <laughs> that, that wasn't good. You know, what do we do about it? And I think that, that finally, sort of the fourth, fourth stage, if you will, of this idea of a self-reliant entrepreneur is I think that, you know, many entrepreneurs, you know, come to a point in their life where they they start to reflect, like, what difference have I made? You know, people do that, right? Um, and and I think that uh, the idea of a self reliant entrepreneur is, in a lot of ways, uh, you have that that thought maybe much earlier, much sooner. What impact do I want to have? You know, what, you know, wh- how is one or ten or a hundred or a million people, you know, breathe better, you know, because of this thing that I'm doing or getting ready to do? Uh, because I think that makes the journey worth doing, but I think it also helps keep us on the path. So a lot of your previous writing was incredibly tactical, uh, <laughs> and this falls on maybe a different end of the spectrum. Yeah. Talk to me about the departure from maybe writing more practical things and sure. how this still falls within the narrative of who you are as a writer. Yeah, uh, there's no question that uh, you know all my other books told how to do things. Um, my hope is that this book helps you discover why to do things. And so it is, it's almost like the strategy versus <laughs> the tactics that we talk about all the time in marketing. It, it's funny though, uh, over the years of working with so many small business owners, I think one of the reasons that uh, these ideas are something that I really wanted to get out there or that, that I've kind of witnessed in my own life is because 
you know, marketing is everything <laughs> in a business. I mean, and, and so when I've worked with business owners, a lot of times, you know, changing their mindset about things, helping them, you know, see things in a different light kind of becomes part of the job of, of, you know, getting them to do maybe some of the tactical things or getting them to, to, to shift how they show up in the business. And so I kind of feel like I've been doing it for, for a long time. The, the, the themes that are in this book and, and the, the ideas of, you know, bringing nature in and, and being self-reflective. I mean, these are things that I've, I've been on a journey myself for 20 years or at least, um, you know, I think a lot of, uh, a lot of people turn 35. I think that's like the magic number and they start thinking, you know, what does this all mean? Um, and, and so, you know, I think probably from about that point, you know, I've been a real student of a lot of these ideas. And so I don't think I could have written this book when I was 35, but, uh, but it, it certainly, uh, it certainly reflects kind of the things that I've been studying and witnessing in my own life. Well, that's perfect because I'm just about 35 years old. <laughs> so get with so, it. <laughs> <laughs> so I will, I will be uh, studying this book and trying to take some of the shortcuts here now. But I mean, what would you say to the 35-year-old version of yourself? Like now yeah. having journeyed through that, written this book, like yeah. what would you want that 35-year-old to do differently or to understand quicker or? Well, maybe nothing really. I mean, I think the, I think the first step is, and, and I'm certainly, I mean, a lot of people would say it took you 20 years to 25 years, to, you know, 30 years to write this book really, um, is I think that, I think it is a journey. It is a practice. And I think the first step, and that's why this book, in a lot of ways, the structure of this book, I, I've actually been referring to it as a practice that, you know, you're not going to pick this book up and read it cover to cover. I mean, maybe somebody will, <laughs> but, but the, the idea is that you read one idea and then maybe that idea sits with you. And so then some, at some point during the day, you know, something happens and you go, oh, yeah, that is how that impacts me. But that is how I've reacted before. Um, and, you know, did that serve me or not? Hmm. So, so sort of witnessing, you know, to me is the first step. You know, you can't, I don't think that there's any book you can read and go, oh, now I've got this figured out. I won't ever do that again. Um, it, it, the idea is you come back to this every day and you start the habit and the practice of reflecting on these things and then you witness them and then you experience them and then maybe you experience them in a more positive way the next time. And, and so it is really a journey. I think, I think the, you know, if I was going to give like the message, it's like start paying attention. Um, because mm -hmm. I think the, I don't think we are a lot of times. Yeah, that's really good. I guess like, I love, I love that. Start paying attention. And I love the idea of the daily practice and the daily yeah. small bite and, and just beginning to become aware of things. And, and in yeah. my own personal life, one of my core values is that uh, awareness is the key because once you become aware, you can't become unaware. And, and that's a, a really core value of mine. But what does that mean? Like to start noticing and to yeah. like kind of dive into that a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I think it's the purest definition of mindfulness that, uh, you know, we are so often throughout the course of a day thinking about what happened yesterday and what we hope happens or doesn't happen tomorrow, <laughs> that we are just, you know, are, are, I mean, have you ever come? I, I know I have. Um, many, many days come home at the end of the day and my wife said, what'd you do today? I, I don't really know, but I sure was busy. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and, I, and I think that that's, I, I'm certainly not the first person to suggest this, but I think it, to me, it's why this idea of mindfulness and, and staying in the present moment is so, is so important because that's the only place we affect the future. <laughs> it's the only place we impact the future. 
is is in you know right now <laughs> right this moment but we're so busy thinking about you know the future or the past that you know right this moment isn't doing us any good um mm-hmm. and and so you know you can pick up lots and lots of books on this idea of 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 mindfulness uh thoreau wrote about it you know extensively it is you know throughout all the eastern wisdom <laughs> you know traditions it's not a new idea but it is something that ha- that takes so much intention um, that, uh, but, but the payoff is uh, so incredible. Okay, so I want to dive into that a little bit further. You said, you said the line that the present moment is the only place we can affect the future. Yeah. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs spend a lot of time thinking about the future. Uh, no maybe question. obsessing about it. There's planning <laughs> about it. There's dreaming about it. There's setting intentions about it. Like what's the, like, talk to me about the tension between those things of planning and thinking about the future and then being in the present moment. Yeah. I think that, I think it kind of comes back to another, you know, pretty Eastern um, wisdom tradition idea that, you know, it's okay to have, here's where I want to be, but then what you have to release is how you, how it happens. (laughs) Um, And that, that letting go of how it happens um, is probably the hardest part. Um, you know, you make steps, you make plans, you know, but, but I think, I mean, how many times it's, it's actually the, the first, uh, first page, January 1st, I talk about a, a Thoreau, uh, I have a Thoreau quote and I talk about this idea of how many times when we couldn't control something or didn't try to control something, the outcome was much better <laughs> than, than, you know, what we thought, you know, or because of luck or whatever it was, you know, and I think that that's, that lesson has to be learned and learned and learned and learned, you know, over and over and over again, you know, for us to actually accept that, you know, if something doesn't go the way that we thought it was going to go today, you know, that there's a really good chance that, that there was a, a very valid reason for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that valid reason is going to show up. Um, But I I know that starts sounding a little woo-woo, but, you know, I think that if you do this long enough, I mean, you just kind of go, I don't know why it works, but it does. I like it. Somebody might say to that, like, well, that's easy for you to say. Somebody who's like found success, like be in the present moment, like don't care about the future, like just trust that it's all going to work out. But what about somebody who like isn't seeing the success or things aren't going exactly as planned or they're seeing maybe failure or pain or suffering along their entrepreneurial journey. Like what would you say to that person? Well, there's no question um, that it it makes it a lot of, you know, if you're not worried about eating tomorrow, you know, you you probably are going to worry less about tomorrow. But I think a lot of times, and, and even, I mean, there is true pain and suffering in the world, but in the world of a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, we are so lucky to get to do what we get to do that I think a lot of times we, um, we neglect to appreciate, you know, what we have, we neglect to appreciate how far we've come. <laughs> you know, there's so many entrepreneurs that are looking at other people and saying, well, I'm not Gary Vee. That's who I want to be. Um, and you know, they obsess over like that thing or that guru or whatever it is they obsess over and stop to really, you know, turn around and look at, at how far they've actually come and, and appreciate that. I mean, I think comparison is probably, you know, the greatest, you know, when people start talking about being failures and, and I mean, what, what do you measure that by, right? By comparison to what you see or don't see somebody else doing. And so I, I think that's, I'm not, I, I don't have a great answer for you, Daryl, for somebody that's truly suffering, but I think a lot of the suffering is self-inflicted because we're, mm-hmm. we're comparing ourselves to others. Yeah, that's really good. Well, John, I'm super excited about this book. I'm really grateful for you for writing it and putting it out into the world because I think that uh, it is going to make a big difference in the life of a lot of entrepreneurs. I assume uh, people can get this on all major 
book retailers, but tell us a little bit more about where to get it and any, anything. You, to you bet. So yeah, it will be available at all retailers. There is an ebook or Kindle version. Uh, there is an audio uh, version as well. And um, I, if, if you uh, go to selfreliententrepreneur.com, and you don't have to be able to spell that. Google will help you uh, find it. But <laughs> um, if you go there, you'll actually find may, maybe more about it. And I'm also, um, I've had a lot of uh, response from folks saying, hey, this would be a great book to join a community around and build a community around um, because, you know, theoretically, everybody's reading the book on the same page on the same day. They get the same question. Uh, I think it could be pretty cool to discuss that. Um, you know, each day or at, at some point. So uh, if you go to selfreliententrepreneur.com, you also find an opportunity to just uh, say, yeah, I want to be a part of that community. And uh, we'll, we'll get, we're going to get that started after uh, the book gets out there. And so just let us know you want to be a part of that. And, and of course, you can just find anything about the work I've done for the last 30 years at ducttapemarketing.com. And that's just D-U-C-T-T-A-P-E marketing.com. Awesome. And we'll have all of those links in the show notes. So it makes it really easy for people to access that stuff. But John, I'd love to have you read an excerpt from the book, One of sure. the Days. Uh, yeah. Do you have one that stands out based on our conversation? Well, maybe I do. Um, <laughs> so uh, um, the way it works is every day has a title and then a reading from uh, some of the work that I curated, then 150 words or so from me, and then a question. So here we go. Failure's message. However mean your life is, meet it and live it. Do not shun it and call it hard names. It is not so bad as you are. It looks poorest when you are richest. The fault finder will find faults in even in paradise. Love your life poor as it is. You may perhaps have some pleasant, thrilling, glorious hours, even in a poorhouse. The setting sun is reflected from the windows of the almshouse as brightly as the rich man's abode. The snow melts before its door as early in the spring. I do not see but a quiet mind may live as contentedly there and have as cheering thoughts as in a palace. So that's Henry David Thoreau from Walden. 1854. Let's face it. At some point, everybody gets knocked down. Things don't always go as planned, but it's how you handle adversity that will become the ultimate expression of your success. There are only so many things you have control over. And number one on that list is how you think and feel about daily events. We can't control the weather, what others say about us, or when someone decides to rip our ideas off as their own. We can't control failure or paradise. We can only decide what we want to learn from it and the lessons are countless. In some cases, what we see as a failure is a mistake or error in judgment on our part coming home to roost. Or it could just be something we weren't quite ready to pull off in precisely the manner we chose. But either way, there's a lesson if we wish to accept it. The fantastic thing about growing as an entrepreneur is that you either flame out through resistance to things like change and failure and, oh, hard work, or you learn to accept that all is as it should be. The key is to love the setting sun from where you are right now, or you'll always find it hard to love the setting sun, no matter how high you soar by some other person's gauge of your success. Your challenge question today, who is one entrepreneur you deeply admire? Why? Thanks, John. Uh, I appreciate you being with us today, giving insight into this book, sharing that passage. I would encourage everybody who's listening to this to sign up or to buy the book, uh, sign up for the community uh, and check out other resources John has on selfreliententrepreneur.com. Thanks, Daryl. Yeah.